Good morning. Welcome again to our nine o'clock service. As Sam said, our second last one in this gorgeous outdoor venue and in the gym as well. It's a very exciting time. I am uh, started last week a series of messages, really uh, conditioned or, or planned for this, this moment in the life of our church, titled Great Things. And I got that title, this title, from a passage of Scripture. We'll go back to it this morning if you have a copy of the Bible. We'll be there in a few minutes in Joshua chapter 3. But the actual title comes from the, from the fifth verse of that chapter when it's a moment of preparation. And Joshua says to the people of God in his day, he says, listen, uh, uh, consecrate your hearts, which is a Bible word for saying, you know, prepare your hearts or get ready for something, right? Inwardly. Today, for tomorrow, right? 24-hour notice, God's going to do great things among you, right? So that was the challenge to the people of God at his day. Now, the great things, the amazing things that were about to happen in this historical setting that we're looking at was that the people of God were going to finally walk through this body of water into the promised land, right? You've heard that term before. Many of you have, right? The, the, the land that God had promised them. But I want you to think about something, even as we consider our own moment here in the life of our church. That promise was 400 years old, right? That started with God's call to Abraham, you know, the, uh, uh, an ancient his, history for the people of God in his day. And God said to Abraham, an anonymous nobody, listen, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless those who bless you and I'm going to create a people out of you. Abraham was an old man with not a single child, and he said, I'm going to create a people group out of you, and someday they're going to have a land of their own. And Abraham even got to walk around the geography of that land before he died. 400 years later, this promise is coming true. It's a time of significant change for the people of God, but not just in where they were going to live, right? Like they used to live in one part of the country and now they're going to live in another part of the country. It was a significant change in how they were going to live, right? A significant change in how they were going to live. And we're looking at this passage, these few chapters, these five weeks, because I think we as a church, we're going to learn something, right? It's, it's, a, it's a teaching for us. It's a, it's a truth for us. It's an analogy for us. I think we are at a once in a generation moment, right? Significant change doesn't happen in your life or in the life of the church every week, every year, every five years. We couldn't handle it, right? We don't want it that much. But every so often, as it does here, we have significant change. I think we're at one of those significant changes in the life of this church. And two things will be true. As it is in this passage, it will be, in, uh, it will be for us. Number one, with significant change comes challenges, right? There's no question there will be challenges. Not just financial challenges, Sam just mentioned. That's in some ways the easy part. Other challenges, faith challenges, opportunity challenges for us. There will be challenges. There will also be opportunities, right? I think this is an opportunity for us to stretch our faith. We'll see it in this passage. It's an opportunity to grow in faith, and it's an opportunity for us to impact the community 
in a greater way this community that this church has been planted in for almost now 100 years, okay? God wants to do great things. The title of today's message, back in Joshua 3, is Facing Impossible Things, right? Joshua 3, we'll pick up right where we left off last week if you were here. Joshua chapter 3, verses 9 through 17. The significant moment for the people of God in Joshua's day. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. What we're seeing here is a different way of of hearing from God, right? This is how you will know. God is going to start communicating with you, we'll see this in a minute, in a way that he hasn't done it before. And And that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the peoples living in the promised land. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel. We'll talk about that next week. One from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, right, this piece of furniture where the, where the Ten Commandments were in it, the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan. As soon as they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. It's a miracle. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. We'll see that in a minute, right? In other words, you and I have to get involved now in the promises of God. It piled up in a heap in a great distance away and a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan while the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. It opened up a lane of traffic. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stepped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by, two million strong, okay, until the whole nation had completing the crossing onto dry ground. Now, what is not said here in this passage, some of you are familiar with it, some of you not so much, is as important as what is said, right? For some of you, if you grew up in the church, you've heard this story before. But let me tell you what's missing from this story. And you got to think about this when you're reading the Bible. If you followed the, 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 this congregation, if you followed the story of the people of Israel, okay, for a long time, you would, you would see that for 40 years, from the time they got into the, what was, was called the wilderness, left Egypt, right, and they're awaiting to get into the promised land, and they ended up being there for 40 years. For 40 years, they um, followed this very um, uh, 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 regular sort of uh, um, uh, schedule. And that regular schedule was this. They had this tent, just like this one. It was called their tabernacle, their mobile worship place, right? Because they, too, were waiting for a permanent worship place. They, too, were waiting. They lived, not only worshiped in tent, they lived in tents for 40 years. And God was, had them on a journey of learning and growing in that season. But here's how they knew when it was time in the wilderness to go from one place to another. It says, when there was a cloud that represented the, the presence of God and it hovered over the top of the tent. 
called the tabernacle. And it said sometimes they would sit at such and such a place and they'd be there for three days, four days, six weeks, seven weeks, sometimes a year. They would stay there as long as that cloud hovered right over the tent. But when that cloud rose up and began to move, they would rise up and they would move. And they would keep moving until that cloud stopped and came down. And where it stopped, they would stop. That's how they lived. That's how they understood how to follow God for 40 years. In this passage, guess what? No more cloud to follow. That cloud is all over because God is trying to communicate with them in a way that he has never communicated before. Now, when you think about that, when I think about that, right, what would it be like for me, right, when I'm trying to figure out my life, we're trying to figure out the life of this church, what would it be like to wake up every morning, right, and have some sort of physical presence and God says, listen, I want you to stay right where you are and when I want you to go here, just simply follow. If I want you to go here, just simply follow. And I never have to think about what it is that I need to do. I just need to follow that cloud when it moves. When you think about it, first of all, it's kind of strange but it's also comforting, isn't it? I would, you know, there's days, maybe seasons in my life where I wish I had that kind of clarity. I wish I could get up and not have to think about it, not have to stress about it, not have to be anxious about it and just say, God, just listen, you just tell me what I need to do. Give me some clear demonstration of where you're leading me. I'd love to live my life that way sometimes, right? Wouldn't you? Don't have to think about it, but you know, it's kind of like a child right? In a sense, right? I mean, those of you who have kids that are, let's say, under five or even under 10. Children can express desires, right? Of course they can. I want something to eat. I want to... Children can express desires, but young children are not very good at making decisions, right? They're good at expressing desires, but they're not good at making decisions. This is what the promised land is about, okay? It's not just a geography. God didn't keep them in the wilderness just because he could. There was a time to learn. It was a time to grow. It was a time to mature. The promised land wasn't just about geography. It was about becoming an adult and doing adult things for God. That's what the promised land was about. 1 Corinthians, Paul will use these words. Speaking of the faith of, of you and I in, in his letter to the Corinthians church, Paul said this, when I was a child, he said, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, right? He says, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things, right? What is Paul talking about in that passage? It's a great uh, uh, dovetail for this passage. He's not talking about childhood. He's talking about faith. He says, you know, we see through a glass darkly. You and I have to wake up every day and decide where you're gonna, how you're going to uh, live your life, how you're going to take your direction. And you can decide to get up every morning, right? And, and, and start with the, you know, the game show that's uh, that, that, that the world that we live in or the horror show, or you can even decide to start with your own circumstances. You can decide to start there or, this is what's happening in this passage, my first point, you can decide to cultivate a listening faith. What Joshua's doing in this passage, right? Verse 9 and following. It's, it seems common to you and me because 
it doesn't seem that big of a deal. He's talking to his people. He's leading them. But as I said before, what isn't here is just important of what is here. There's no more cloud. There's no more fire. And Joshua said, listen, come here. I want you to listen to the words of God because, guys, we're not going to have that anymore. In fact, we're not, it's not only going to be absent today, but for the rest of your lives, that vis- visual uh, demonstration of God's presence, that sort of breadcrumb way of following God, it's not there anymore because God wants you to cultivate a different kind of listening. He wants you to cultivate a different kind of following. He wants you to be able to follow him from, the, from your heart. He wants you to be able to take the words of God and have those words of God capture your imagination. And God's word has to not only capture your imagination, it needs to be rooted down in who your heart is because you are going to live in a world. Remember the Gergesites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites. In other words, there's all kinds of challenges. If you think the wilderness was difficult, if you think the wilderness was a game show, if you think the wilderness was a horror show, wait till you get into the promised land. There are challenges. And you've got to learn how to listen to God. You've got to be able to see through those challenges. You've got to cultivate a listening faith. Come and listen to the words of God. Learn how to let those capture your imagination so that they can give you the conviction, they can give you the courage to go to places that you have not been before. Verse 15, this is no mistake. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest, right? Now this is no mistake, guys. This isn't just a circumstance that God's bringing them to the biggest moment they've had in in generations to come into the promised land. It just happens to be when this body of water that's standing in their way is at flood stage, right? In other words, what's the point? God's promises, God's call for your life, God's call for this church, they don't always come with, you know, a clear path forward. They don't come with the yellow brick road. That's not how they come. Very often the promises of God for your life, for my life, for us as a church, come at flood stage, right? I had a guy call me yesterday. Happened to head my phone. He said, listen, Rob, pastor, I hate to call you on on a Saturday, but I just got to tell you something. I'm at flood stage. I'm, I'm, I, my life is falling apart. My family, it's flood stage for me right now. And I said, did what I could do to encourage him. But what I, what I said in so many words and what I'm saying to you is, is God does some of his best work at flood stage, right? But you can't be taking your cue from what you see. You can't be looking over the horizon at the game show of this life, at the horror show of this life. Listen, you can't even wake up every morning and review your imperfect circumstances because you'll never make any progress in life. You've got to cultivate listening to the words of God, right? Because God knows what you don't know. God sees what you don't see. And God wants to take you and take us to somewhere new. But we're not going to get there unless we cultivate a listening faith, right? Eyes that see beyond what's right ahead of you. I got an a, 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 um, invitation recently, very recently, to have lunch with um, what you and I would consider a very important person, right? I mean, uh, if there was a list of very important people, if I said this person's name, so-and-so, I got an invitation to lunch with so-and-so, I think you'd all go, wow, that's a very important person. And pastor, I didn't know you traveled in circles like that, and you'd be right, I don't travel in circles like that. But I thought to myself, you know what, this is cool, this is interesting. Not only did I think it was interesting, and I, was, I thought, thought this will be really exciting, I even thought 
It might be a God thing, right? Maybe God has taken this opportunity and sent me an opportunity to meet with somebody and, and, and this is of Lord, I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, two days before that happened, I get a phone call. And, and this person that called me, this guy that called me, who, who, who I know this person, respect this person, a, 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 a Christian a, a leader, and um, they, they didn't, uh, uh, I don't know how they got my cell phone, you know, frankly, but I knew who they were. And they said, Pastor, uh, uh, you have a minute for me? I said, absolutely. And they said, listen, I, uh, I'm a little out of my lane calling you right now, but I want you to know that I, 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 I know about this lunch. And, and, and I said, oh. And he said, I just want you to know, it's up to you. And my uh, advice is, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't take it. And, and I don't want to say a lot. It's not my place, but I respect you. I think you're a man of integrity. I think you have uh, 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 people respect you in this community. I do. And I'm just telling you, I think it'd be better if you don't take this lunch. And I got to go. And that was the end of the phone call. Now, I know. What a bummer, right? But I'll tell you what, as soon as I hung up that phone, it doesn't always happen this way, it was as, as clear as, as, as the, you know, the nose on my face that God said, listen, that's from me. That's my words. And, and I want you to listen to it. I want you to do what you've just been advised to do and move on. Okay, guys? This is what we need to do. Right? What, what God is calling us to do is not always obvious. God does not always work on the the, 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 the common sense. He's often going to call us forward. It's called the eyes of faith, right? That's what Paul's saying. We see through a glass darkly. I need to cultivate. You need to cultivate the eyes of faith. Do you have them? Do I have them? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, important verses. This, this is a long sermon on faith, what I can't get into, but if you read this passage, and he sums it up this way. Though you have not seen him, Speaking of Jesus, right? You don't see him. I don't see him. You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving, present tense, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now leave this up here. What's he talking about? He's not talking about going to heaven when you die. You are now receiving the end result. That means the purpose of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What is it you are receiving? Listen, it's the purposes of God. It's the promises of God. That's what our salvation is. But do you have eyes to see it, right? Do I have eyes to see it? You've got to cultivate a listening faith. You've got to learn how to look beyond the headlines, beyond the game show of this world, beyond the horror show of this world to hear the words of God and to follow them. Second thing, point in this passage quickly, you need to exercise an active faith, right? And that's what this passage really gets to. Sam mentioned it a few minutes ago about crossing the Jordan. Now, let me tell you something. Everyone in this story, okay, 200 million, 2 million people strong, with the exception, as far as we know, of Joshua, the guy who's leading this band here, and Caleb, his, his sidekick, they went into the promised land and they were spies 40 years earlier. The vast majority of everyone else listening to this story, they were not at the great Moses crossing of the Red Sea, okay? That, that generation died. They weren't there, but let me tell you something. 40 years is not that long of a time. They all heard about that story, right? 
I mean, that was the folklore of the story, right? They, didn't, they weren't there. They didn't cross the Red Sea. But let me tell you something. On Passover night, on Christmas, on Easter, on the days that they celebrated, that was the story of identification. They knew about that story. And not only did they know about that story, that Moses led the people of God over the Red Sea into, the, into where they were living now. They not only knew about that story, but listen, they lived off that story, right? And that's the way it happens in the life of faith for you and I. God doesn't do great things in my life every day. God doesn't do great things in, our, in the life of this church. Sam talked about when this church built this building or bought this school building. What an act of faith. It didn't even have a sanctuary. It was an old uh, up-for-sale school building in the town of Penfield, and somebody had the vision to say, let's buy it, and no, you know what? We, churches don't typically meet in gyms, but we'll meet in a gym. That was a great vision. They saw that. It was a moment to make a great step, and 11 years later, they raised a couple million dollars, and they built that sanctuary, right? They had a vision to do that. It doesn't happen every day. But in this case, in this moment, Sometimes you can live off of that moment. There were people for years who lived off the faith that it took to raise money to build this building, to have faith, to see this. There were people, generations, who lived off the faith and the commitment of the people who said, listen, it's time to do something different. It's time to raise money and build a sanctuary and we'll use the gym for a gym. And that was done by some people. And for years, for 25 years, you and me and people that aren't in this room today lived off that faith. But guess what? Sometimes, every so often, you got to stop living off the stories of the past and you need to create your own story, right? That's what's, that's what's being offered in Joshua chapter 3, and it's what's really being offered to you and me today. We have to create our own story as a church. If you want to change in your life, if we want to change as a church, here's the clear principle of this passage. You have to do things that you've never done before. Remember, we talked about it last week. Follow very closely because you've not been this way before. If you want to go do things that you, if you want real change in your life, if you want real change in your marriage, you want real change in your walk with God, if we really want to change, we really want to impact in a greater way, take a step forward, we're going to have to do things that we have not done before, right? It's time to make our own story. It's time to take a, a big step of faith. That's what's going on in Joshua 3, I think it's what's going on in the life of our church. But see, what's different here, and you're supposed to understand the difference, right? They had heard the story of Moses walking through. Listen, these are two very similar stories, right? And the geography's not even that far, right? The Red Sea to the Jordan River. It's the same story. They're going through a body of water. They're going out of one scenario, in case of Egypt, out into the, in the wilderness, and now they're going out of the wilderness into the promised land, through a body of water, but there's a very significant difference, okay? It's a difference between being a child and being an adult. It's a difference between following God with a cloud and listening to the word of God and a conviction in your heart and going forward. And the difference is this. God said, listen, you're not going to get through this uh, body of water without me. It's flood stage. But 40 years ago, the Egyptian army was coming. The people of God, go ahead and back and read Exodus four, uh, 14. They were complaining, and they were scared, and they were anxious, and they complained at Moses. They almost stoned Moses. And Moses listened to the word of God, and God just loved them. 
And he, and he, 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 he put a, he put a, they sent the angel of the Lord, the Old Testament words. He sent a, 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 someone to stop the Egyptian army. And he said to Moses, listen, lift up your hands. He didn't even address the complaining of the people of God. He said, Moses lifted up his hands. And guess what? The Red Sea just parted, right? I mean, it was an absolute miracle. And the people of God said, we're going to go that way, right? Sometimes God just picks you up in one place and puts you in another. But in this case, see, it's time to be an adult Christian. He said, I'm still going to part that water, but I want you to participate. I want you to know what it's like to know, trust me in a way and to feel my power in a way, in a way that you haven't done before. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm still going to part this water, but not until you get up, walk into that water, and not until your feet touch the edge of this water. Then I'm going to part the water. You see? This is what faith is about. Now, why would God do that? Just because he can? Because he's clever? It's not because he's clever. Because let me tell you something, guys. We, we have a lot to celebrate, right? We, we are uh, exercising an act of faith. Many of you have gotten in the game. Millions of dollars have been raised. People have decided to serve. This is a great moment, but guess what? This is just the beginning, right? The getting through the Jordan, when he says God's going to do amazing things, the Jordan parting that river was an amazing thing. But listen, that was just the beginning, verse 10. Because the promise is, come and listen to the words of God, because what God said is, he is going to help you defeat the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. In other words, those are the real battles. The real battles isn't the, isn't the Jordan River. That's just the first step. But God wants to teach them and teach you and teach me and teach us as a church what it really means to have faith, to join God. And by doing that, we need to make the first move, right? To experience greater promises we need to exercise a greater faith and we need to decide to act in obedience even when you're unsure of how God will move this is the big idea right you need to decide to act in obedience oh my gosh it's at flood stage even when you're unsure all right how God is going to move this is what faith is because it's in this kind of behavior, in this kind of obedience that God does great things in your life and he prepares you, right? This is what it means to be an adult. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, self-serving, self-interested. I need it now. I thought like a child, right? If God wants me to go this way, then it's going to be a, the yellow brick road. I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, when I grew up, I put away childish things. And I learned that God's, God's ways are not my ways. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. And he says, you need to learn to trust me and follow me. Learn to listen to my voice. And I may walk you into a flood, but I will get you through it, right? I will get us through it. It's one of the greatest moments. So think about the, 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 um, the shorthand for the Christian faith is the loaves and the fishes, Right? Why is, that such a, why is that the shorthand for the Christian faith? Why is that the only miracle of Jesus that's in all four of the Gospels? Because it's the essence of what I'm talking about here, right? 
He's trying to teach the disciples, to, you know, that there was a time when we, it was just us hanging out around the Sea of Galilee. Nobody's bothering us. Nobody's talking about crucifixion. Nobody's throwing stones. Nobody's talking about, you know, uh, uh, persecution. It's just us. We're just around the, the heaven breakfast at the sea. But see, I've called you to something bigger. And I want you to reach the multitudes. And all of a sudden, this multitude's come up out of nowhere. They're on, if you know that story, they're, they're on a break. They're on a little holiday because they've been on this preaching tour. And Jesus says, let's go get a break. And they go up into the, into the valley up there on the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, 5, 10, 15,000 people come walking up because they know Jesus is there. And the disciples freak out. And they say, Jesus Jesus starts teaching and the day gets long and they say, Jesus, we need to get out of here. These people are hungry. This is going to turn, in, this is going to turn bad. And Jesus says, you're right, they're hungry. You feed them, right? You feed them, right? I want you to figure out how to do this. And Jesus puts them in a position to say, it's time for you to start to do the ministry. It's time for you to learn what it means to trust me in ways that you have not trusted me before, Right? When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put away childish things. Right? Lastly, these, you know, God wants us to cultivate a listening faith. He wants us to exercise a great faith. And ultimately, active faith, He wants us to decide, skip these passages, decide how to lead. Right? Look at the, how this passage ends. Listen carefully. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing, right? Think about that. These handful of leaders, right? They were the first to step into the water. And not only did they step into the water, it's a pretty bold move, it's at flood stage, okay? There's no life jackets around here. Uh, there's no helicopters around here. They stepped in. The waters were parted, right? Now, it says they stood up in a heap, right? It wasn't, you know, the parking lot. It, it's hard for us to imagine it, but if you take, if you take it at its face value, if, you, if the Bible uh, means what it says, they're walking through with walls of water on either side of them, okay? I think if I was going through there, I might, I might, it might be more than a jog, Okay, I might want to get to the other side. But these leaders stayed and stood there until two million people passed by. You know, I, I had an opportunity this past week to um, spend a couple days with, I'm in a pastor's cohort, I was in California, with this great leader, one of the, one of the uh, large churches, biggest in America, great leader. And this guy said, he, you know, he's been pastoring his church for 30-something years and he said, let me tell you, you know, it's one of those sessions. Let me tell you what I'm learning right now. Fifteen guys in a living room. He said, there are two rails for the church. You know, we're talking about the government has so many rails. Two rails for the church. And those two rails, what the church is built on is two things. One is discipleship, right, which is just about following Jesus. And he said, this is what I've learned over 38 years of being a pastor. Discipleship is simply about obedience. More, it's, one, it's just taking different steps. And discipleship is for everybody in your church, right? Everybody, kids, adults, students, uh, new believers, old believers, mature believers. It's for everybody. And discipleship's about obedience, period. He said the second rail is about leadership. 
And leadership, I've discovered, you know what? It's for some people. It's not for everybody. And not everyone is called to be a leader. But those who are called to be a leader, right? At such a time as this, they need to step up. Because it's only when they step up, right? The first in, 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 in Joshua 3.17, they were the last out, right? I, I have to believe that those people who decided to get into that water and stand there gave courage and inspiration to millions of people to walk the path that God wanted them to walk. And the same is true for people in this room. I don't know who they are. I don't know who you are. But I'm confident here in our gym and in this room, in this congregation, there are a number of leaders. And if we are going to, in our context, cross into a new season of ministry, a new season of growth, there are going to have to be leaders, people who are deciding they're going to need to lead. How, where do you need to do it? Quickly. You need, some of you need to do it at home. I want you to think about this and we're going to close in a minute. Some of you, the most important place that you have, moms, dads especially, if, you, if you're a, a, a married a, a couple in this room, is your home. The greatest place where you're going to exercise your leadership is in your home. Some of you need to decide. You need to see your home as a place where you can lead spiritually, where you're in, encouraging and, 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 and demonstrating a kind of behavior for your children. Listen, spouse for each other. Some of you need to decide now is the time you're going to lead at home. Some of you need to lead at church. Okay, just like this passage, we need people. I'm not talking about warm bodies. We need those too. We need everybody, but we need leaders in our, uh, our, our children's and family environments. We need leaders in our adult environments. We need leaders that can serve in this church and not just show up, but to get, give their time. Larry says leaders are about taking the next step of sacrifice, who are willing to sacrifice, right? Some of you need to decide now is the time you're going to get in and, and exercise your gifts in a place of leadership. Third, you need to decide to lead at work, right? You decide to lead at work. God didn't call, uh, a very small group of people are called to do what I do, right? We call them vocational ministers, but we're all in the ministry. And if we're going to really impact this community, let me tell you something. You're going to do it where you spend your time. Are you a leader, a spiritual leader, where you work? You say, well, Rob, I do that, but no one at my work cares about Jesus. Hello, that's the whole point, right? That's the whole point, of course. We live in a mission field. You work in a mission field, but you need to see it in different eyes. Some of you need to get in and stand in the Jordan River, so to speak, with the people that you work with. At school, right? Those of you who are students. You say, well, gee, no one cares about Jesus at my school. That's the point, right? In your sports team, in your classroom, college and high school and, and beyond, and in our community, right? We need to be leaders in our community. Every single person in this room lives in a zip code uh, not too far from this place, right? We need to be leaders in our community. We need to be known I love that story when, and we'll see this, in this as this passage goes further, when, when they go into the promised land and they speak to Rahab, right? This woman who's, who, who, who uh, uh, is a prostitute and they happen to end up uh, uh, staying with her for a night and, and she hides them in the, in, the, in the roof of her building. You may remember this and she says, uh, listen, she's scared to death. She said, everybody in this place 
has heard about the exploits of your God. And they're scared uh, about what's going to take place. Your God's name is known in this place, right? We need leaders in our community. We need to decide to lead. So this is how I want to close, okay, as we close this morning. I want to challenge you, right, to do, get a little out of your comfort zone. I'm just going to pray and we're done. But I want you to think about these areas. Home, church, work, school, community. And I want you to think about some of you in this room. You know you're a leader. You know you have leadership capacities. But you haven't decided to, that you're going to lead to make a decision to get ahead to be the first in and be a leader. Well, listen, the church, God is calling you to do it. God is calling us to do it. So here's what I want to do, okay? And I'm going to pray. I'm going to go over these categories very briefly. We're going to be out of here in two minutes. But I want you to do something courageous. And as I talk through these, very click through these categories, home, uh, 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 church, work, school, community, in the gym and in here, if you'd say, Pastor, Rob, before God, I'm deciding it's time for me to lead in this area. I want you to stand in this room. Okay? Ready? If you feel like, you know, and in the gym, that now is a time where God is calling you to be a leader, a better leader in your home, I want you to stand right now in this room and in the next. If you feel that God is calling you to be a leader, to take a position of leadership in this church community, Browncroft Community Church, in this room in the gym, I want you to stand where you are and stay standing right now. Take a stand. God's calling you to lead in this church in a new way. If you feel God is calling you to be a leader in your workplace, in your school, in your community, wherever it might be, I want you to stand where you are in here and in the gym. If you feel, student or teacher or staff or administrator, that God is calling you to lead, right? Not just show up, not have a private faith, but to lead in your school, on your football team, on your lacrosse team, on your academic team, I want you to stand in this room and in the next. And if you feel, some of you do, that God is calling you to lead in this community where you live, our community, right? You know God has called you, He's gifted you, and now I want you to stand where you are in this room and in the gym. Let me pray for us and we're done. God and Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for every person standing in this room, standing in this gym, standing on this ground, Browncroft Community Church. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you, although we forget things, we move on to the next thing, that you would remember, Lord, every decision that was made here. You would honor the faithfulness and the commitment and the, and the, and the, um, and the heart stand, uh, the, the, behind these decisions. And that, Lord, you would meet everyone that's standing in these rooms with your strength, with your power, with your love, that they might, Lord, um, stay true, they might honor, they might live out these commitments, and that you might show them the way, that you might lead them where you want them to go, that you might place them exactly where you want them as a leader in this season of their life 
and of our church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.